Welcome to our Catechism class. It's a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help you learn Christian doctrine with a warm and practical application. Each lesson has its own study guide, and the web link to find that guide can be found in the episode notes. Okay, let's start the lesson. Hello and welcome to our Catechism class. And today we're going to return to Lord's Day 39 in the Heidelberg Catechism. We're going to ask, what does it mean to honour your parents? So in order to prepare for this class, I'd like you to read please from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, to chapter 6, verse 4. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, to Ephesians 6, verse 4. We'll come back when you've read that. You're listening to the Semper Reformata podcast with Bob McAvoy. So just to recap on Ephesians chapter 6, the... Apostle Paul here says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So the Catechist has asked the question in question 104, What does God require in the fifth commandment? And the answer, of course, is that I show all honour, love and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me, submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings, since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. Now, in our last lesson, we began our examination of Lord's Day 39 by establishing the fundamental biblical teaching on human sexuality, that God created us as men and women, male and female, and that children born as a result of a relationship between a man and a woman require a mummy and a daddy, and that's the ideal nuclear family. Of course, we observe that there are times when this ideal cannot be possible, perhaps because of the death of a parent or a divorce, but that this relationship, which we call marriage and family, should be society's goal. Now, with that basic principle established, we can go on to look at the relationships and interactions that should exist within that nuclear family. Again, I want to have a little disclaimer. I am drawing from biblical principles, not from my own parenting skills, which were far from perfect, but I'll come back to that later. So the first thing I want to see is the parameters of the commandment, the fifth commandment, um, which is what's under discussion here, honouring our father and our mother. So the catechist says, to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. So the first thing we have to note is that the catechist expands the fifth commandment to include both our immediate parents and others who have authority over us. Now, that's common throughout the Reformed Catechisms and Confessions. Luther, for example, believed in the doctrine of the godly prince. 
He believed that it was the task of the secular authorities to maintain pure religion in the land over which they ruled. Luther's view was that because the church authorities, the Roman Catholic church authorities of that day, had failed to heed the call for a reformation, that the state should step in and take responsibility for reforming the church. Uh, Luther argues this in his book Address to the German Nobility. After all, the religious establishment had forfeited, in Luther's opinion, any right to be heard and to be obeyed. So who might we consider to be in authority over us? Well, our parents, obviously. Exodus chapter 21 and verse 17 takes this very, very seriously. It says, who, He who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. A very strong relationship and strong sanctions. Our employers as well, Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 to 8, talks about bond servants be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ. We are to work for our employers just as we would work for the Lord. And we're to do service to them as to the Lord and not to men. To our overlords in government, for example, to the governing authorities, Romans chapter 13, verse 1 to 2, says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. It has to be borne in mind that when Paul was writing, the authority that was in control was the Roman Empire. And that wasn't a kind authority when it came to Christianity. And yet all of those are placed in authority over us by divine ordinance by the sovereignty of God. And so the catechist acknowledges this. It is God's will to govern us by their hand. All of them have the authority to order our lives. And of course, obviously, supremely, the one who has authority, ultimate authority over us, is God himself, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus. Paul acknowledges this in our reading when he addresses bosses in Ephesians 6 and verse 9 and he says, You masters, do the same things to them, to the servants, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. So the parameters of the commandment, when we think of honouring our father and mother, we're not just talking about our immediate father and mother, but we're thinking of those who have authority over us, those who are in charge of our lives in an earthly manner. And what about the practice of the commandment? The Catechist lists for us several ways in which we must obey those who are over us, uh, attitudes that we all should seek to cultivate. He says that we should honour them. Now, to honour someone is to treat them with the respect that they deserve. When someone dies, we speak about going to the funeral home or going to the service or going to the grave to pay our respects. And what we're doing at such times uh, is often very little except by our very presence, acknowledging the human dignity and worth of the person we've lost. 
and we should show that same respect for every person, for every life. Similarly, when we meet our rulers, even if we have little regard for them personally, even if we disagree with their morality or their beliefs, we are to respect the office that they hold. So 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17 teaches us that we are to show respect for all people, to treat them honourably, to love the brotherhood, that's of believers, to fear God and to honour the king. Honour them. We're to love our parents. And of course we find our example of love in Jesus, as we always do. For he loved us and he gave himself for us. He gave his own life for us. Paul says in Ephesians, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That would be a really good family principle, wouldn't it? Not just for husband and wife relationships. Our family love is not just the product of a biological bond. It is a determination to love each other that is practically demonstrated in giving ourselves for each other. Honour, love, faithfulness, springing from love and respect. Families should stay together. Best way to achieve that is to love each other, to honour each other. Submission and obedience, we are to obey those who are set over us. Of course, there are lots of questions about this. We know that small children need to be taught obedience to their parents, to their teachers, to the law. We say to them, do as you are told. But when does that child take on the moral responsibility for his own actions? And his childish obedience to his parents changed to being able to decide for himself. That will depend on the individual child and the parent. And at what point does the parent realise that it's time to step back and allow their child to make their own mistakes? At some point, the child's simple obedience will become, I value your opinion, but... And sometimes, at those times... A parent will have to learn to hold his or her tongue. There is one moral dilemma we need to explore a little. What if our parents order us to do something that is sinful in the eyes of God? Are we to obey? In fact, are we ever to obey unquestioningly? Listening to a podcast recently, uh, I heard a article about a young girl who was an enthusiastic young believer whose parents had ordered her to stop going out evangelizing to stop giving out tracts with her church friends in the town to hand over her bible to them and she was pleading with the host of the podcast for some good advice what should she do and the advice was very simple it was to obey your parents unless doing so would cause you to sin So remember that there's one supreme authority over all others before whom we all will give answer, parents and children alike. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Acts 5 and verse 29. So what would you have done if you were that young girl and your parents were saying to you, give me your Bible and don't read it anymore? What would you have done? Well, we have seen the parameters of the commandment. We've seen the practice of the commandment. Now, finally, we're going to see the patience. 
that's going to be required to carry this commandment out. You might be asking yourself, what right have you got to be lecturing us on parenting? That's a very legitimate question indeed. I have no right whatsoever. Janie came to me one day and said, why do you always have to teach us doctrine when you preach? You know, Christians have practical life problems they need to deal with every day of the week. Why don't you preach about practical everyday things? So I asked her to give me an example. Why don't you preach in the family? Do a good series on the family. Well, it's not the only time that's been suggested. I was criticised once at a church for not preaching on the family at a baptism. And I explained to the person who brought this up that I'd preached on baptism, which seemed to be relevant at a baptism service, since most people in the church don't actually understand what baptism is about. Anyway, I'd made the mistake of following Janie's advice, and I preached a sermon on the family. And an hour after the service ended, a very angry, a very irate parent arrived at the back door of our house, very cross, yelling and shouting, how dare you tell me to raise my family? I thought there was going to be trouble. Well, that was the last time I ever took that risk. You see, I'm not your example. My parenting skills were as bad or perhaps worse than just about everyone else. So I need to learn from this commandment just as much as all of us do. Thankfully, the catechist knows that none of us are perfect. Parents are sinners. So are children. So he shows us what we should be aspiring to. And he urges our children to be patient with us when we fail in our parenting, as we frequently will. So the aspiration is to submit to their good instruction and discipline. My job as a parent, your job as a parent, is to give our children good instruction and discipline. That's for us to aspire to. The wisdom to properly apply the law to our children, to teach them the scriptures, to bring them up in the ways of the Lord, in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That's the law of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And we're to assess our parenting in the light of God's word. We're to do an audit. Am I too hard on my children? Am I too soft? Modern parenting tends to let children do whatever they like, treating them like little pals or friends rather than being a firm example to them. But to go too far in the opposite direction and impose a draconian regime can be terribly harmful. Paul advises in Ephesians chapter 6, And ye children, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So the aspiration is that we are to provide good instruction and discipline for our children. But the actuality is that we will fall short. And so the catechist talks to children and says, have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings.
The reality is that we will fail as parents from time to time, some of us more often than others. And the Catechist urges our children to be patient with us. Of course, that's going to be difficult to explain to little children, but this commandment applies to adult children with elderly parents, as well as to small children. So, we have seen that a child needs, ideally, to have a mummy and a daddy, and that within that family structure there exists, ideally, a two-way communication of discipline. Parents instructing and disciplining their children within the parameters of the Word of God, teaching them the Scriptures, recognising our own shortcomings, having patience with each other, loving each other, as Christ loved the Church, a covenant relationship. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.